0: that I had that I was going to do on my own but we could possibly do it tonight like a a hybrid version of what I had what I was thinking of is that I really love Tompkins' writings Mm -hmm. and I want to read you something because I feel like it's beautiful and provocative and it's what got me into really loving what he's doing and convinced that he's onto something I think the best way to, to convince you all is to read some of my favorite passages and for us then to discuss it. That would be fun. I I would like to think it would be fun. Yeah. And I think the audience would find it fun. I hope all of you find it fun. I'm going to read this as best I can. I want you to keep in mind that he wrote this in the 60s and 70s. And he has a very unique writing style. I have not looked into... How this worked back then, I know that some what do, you, what do you call it um affectations or you know certain styles back then were different than they are now it th- throughout the whole book he refers to himself as we in the, <laughs> the royal, royal we. you know like <laughs> okay, so was that more conventional then I don't know, or is that just his unique thing,
1: or maybe he's kind of. I don't know if he had like
0: a a group or a team of people or anything. I was wondering the same thing. Like, so yeah. is, he, is he speaking for him and his team? Yeah, right. That sort of thing. I'm not sure. So, if you when I when I say that we keep that in mind, like I don't know who we are, but who we is. But um, in chapter 18, the sources of shame, humiliation, contempt, disgust, and self-contempt, self-disgust by the way he will, he has chapter and subchapter sections that are sometimes half a paragraph long <laughs> which is something unique in and of itself but i do think that tompkins is best read out loud and i often read him out loud to myself so again the, the, this, this is chapter 18 entitled the sources of shame humiliation Contempt, disgust, and self contempt, self disgust. This chapter is concerned with the major conditions, innate and learned, which give rise to shame, humiliation, and to the closely allied affects of contempt, disgust, and self disgust, self. He's sometimes hard to read because he repeats himself. (laughs) This, let me try this This, this will be fun like, Let's just keep this going This chapter is concerned With the major conditions Innate and learned Which give rise to shame humiliation You're with me there mm-hmm. I'm good I, I've, I've followed up to this point as well And to the closely mm-hmm. allied affix Of contempt disgust And self-contempt self-disgust Now that makes sense So self-contempt Antique. And self Self-contempt and self-disgust
2: Are those the same things?
0: Are allied to shame, is what he's saying. Aren't
2: those kind of the same thing? Self-tiped? Well, well that, that, that's, that's what
0: well, he's saying, that they're different things, and he, that's what yeah. he gets into in the whole whole chapter. Yeah, so he's saying they're subtle different. different. I he's think saying there's subtle th-
1: differences between the two.
0: So he's saying that shame, humiliation, contempt, disgust, which is hyphenated, which is mm-hmm. another thing. So shame, humiliation is one thing. Contempt, disgust is another thing. Self-contempt and self-disgust mm-hmm. is another thing. So
2: I say how humiliation is different than self disgust, but but I think self contempt and self disgust to me are are close enough, where they mean the same thing basically.
0: Well, that's what's going to be the interesting thing is to to delve into this. This is what I find so fascinating. I would normally think you, I agree with you. In my mind, they're interrelated, or they seem the same. What he does with it. Is just fascinating.
2: I guess what I'm what I'm um, struggling well, with is how does this relate to like my life in the office, or are my life with my friends?
0: Well, one thing that I'm wanting people to to understand is, is just just like anything that you learn, like in music, for any any skill that you have, you have to learn a certain amount of theory, and so there's certain things you have to learn as building blocks to understand other things. Okay. People, here's one of the things that I I struggle with in terms of teaching people around psychology. Just because you have a mind, and just because you have feelings, doesn't make you a psychologist. And I don't mean that defensively as a psychologist, I mean that there's a tendency for everybody to be an armchair psychologist.
1: Psychoanalyze each
0: other. And psychoanalyze oneself and psychoanalyze each other, but they don't have the skill set. But it feels like you have the skill set because you know what your feelings are. I know myself better than anybody, people say all the time. Mm -hmm. That is sometimes true, but that's often not true. I can say that as a psychologist, I don't always know myself. Because I can't know myself, right. which is part of my my issue, the issue of why I'm doing this podcast,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is I think we need other people to know ourselves. We also need categories to put things in. We also need ways of seeing things, understanding things, which is sometimes very complicated. Now, what I'm going to explain here is it sounds initially complicated because it's new. But once, once you figure out how to move around Tompkins' definitions, it's super clarifying. So that's, that's one of the things I love about him. Because what he does then, in terms of answering your question, Greg, about how does this apply to me at work or my life or my love life or how I feel about myself, it does. It does in terms of once you get the sources of shame, you're going to see it everywhere. So, included this chapter, and this chapter concludes with the dynamics of self-contempt, including the internalization of contempt from others, the magnification and multiplication of internal persecutors, the coping with internal persecution by obeisance and rebellion, and the process of apparent objectification of the internalized contemptuous other in acceptance of self-contempt. That sounds big and heavy until you unpack it this next incredibly long paragraph by modern standards is a long paragraph it's like a Proustian paragraph is one of the most beautiful paragraphs I've read in years I'm going to try to do a run through of it right now and I'd love to know what your reaction is Okay. it's called the major sources of shame we have argued that shame is an affect of relatively high toxicity, that it strikes deepest into the heart of man, that it is felt as a sickness of the soul which leaves man naked, defeated, alienated, and lacking in dignity. We have also argued that the toxicity of an affect is directly proportional to its biological urgency, but ordinarily Inversely proportional to its relative frequency of arousal. Thus, anxiety is more toxic than distress. And correspondingly, anxiety is ordinarily aroused by life and death's emergencies, which are relatively infrequent. Whereas, distress is ordinarily aroused by a wide variety of situations which deviate only moderately from optimal conditions. If shame is so mortifying, it is ill-adapted to serve as a general broad-spectrum negative affect. Despite its high toxicity, however, there appear to be multiplicities of innate sources of shame, since there are innumerable ways in which excitement and enjoyment may be partially blocked and reduced and thereby activate shame. Man is not only an anxious and suffering animal, but he is, above all, a shy animal, easily caught and impaled between longing and despair. When one adds to the innate sources of shame, those which are learned, the normal human being is very vulnerable to a generalized shame bind, almost as toxic as an anxiety neurosis. We will now examine some of the major sources of both learned and unlearned, of shame.
1: Yeah, I had never really thought of shame in that way, of of it being kind of a bad evolution, I guess. Because I guess our our social dynamics are so important to us and to our species. Right. But, you know, some of the things that we evolved to do when we were living in mud huts and stuff doesn't really apply in the current world. Right, so... Shame
0: has somehow evolved as a signal to tell us that we're disconnected from potentially real or imagined good connections with things that
2: we care about. So you don't think it's always been that way?
0: I think it's always been yeah. that way. I mean, it is, and that's what he's saying. Some of them are learned. Some, some are right. innate. Some are
2: learned. I think most shame is learned.
0: Babies feel shame.
2: Mm.
0: If they can't reach... You can see the little the slump of shame in a baby when it can't reach, and it's like it's a millisecond when it can't reach the thing that it wants to reach, it'll do the little slump. But everything is new for an infant,
2: so it immediately immediately
0: turns it like, and this is something to to keep in mind. It immediately finds something else interesting, Hmm. but it still feels the affect of shame. Moment, I can't have this, but there's something interesting
1: else for. So it's the. Severity of the feeling and maybe the duration that it lasts that's learned possibly that is learned that's a big part of it
2: so and how you how you react and manage it and and react to it right that's
0: learned too so what is the worst thing you can do with any affect any of the negative affects and shame is the most toxic painful of all the interpersonal affects is feed it what do we do when we feel shame we we imagine all the we pull in all the other shameful things that we've done mm-hmm. and we keep feeding it and then i did this and then i did that and that reminds god i did this in sixth grade too god i'm such a loser and so it's just crazy making right instead of friends and lovers and people around us people who love us distracting us and tell and saying hey don't worry about her. Don't worry about him. Don't worry about that. We'll get you another job. Come have some dinner. Hang out with us. And moderating that and mutualizing it within the group, we, our culture tends to isolate and withdraw, and we feed it.
1: And it's kind of another uh, result of evolution that we remember the negative things more than the positive things so that we don't make the same mistake again.
2: But most people don't. I mean like the Halo and the Horns effect, most people only remember the positive things. I'm 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 I don't thinking think about that's this through, true. Well no, I'm thinking about this through like relationships. Like maybe a lot of friends that I have talked to and I was just telling a friend about this yesterday. He um is trying to get back with his partner. I'm like, but you told me all these horrible things he did and he goes, Oh yeah And so I sometimes think in situations like that people only remember the good stuff and they don't think about the whole whole thing.
1: But you were saying that he was going on and on about like all the negative things he did
2: though all the good things in like this week and. oh and i told him remember when you were telling me about all the the bad things so you're oh. only thinking about the good things like the halo and the horns effect where you're yep. okay, yeah and so i had to remind him of that he goes oh, oh.
1: after after he, the, the breakup yeah oh okay yeah. So, so so why are refer- you was-
2: referencing the halo and the horn effect what did i say
0: Did I say that? That's what you said, but I don't know if if the listeners would know what that that means. Oh, okay.
2: Okay. So if you could explain the halo and the horn effect. Well, um, and maybe I'm explaining it incorrectly, but oftentimes in a situation, people will only think about the good. And that's the halo effect, but they don't realize the bad part, which is the horns. Am I striking Mm -hmm. that correctly? It sounds good enough to me. Yeah. And so sometimes when we're longing for something... We forget about the bad things, the horns, mm. and only remember the good things, the halos. And sometimes, when we're making a decision about how to move forward, especially if we want to go back into that situation, we have right. to realize that there were bad things as well, yes. and it wasn't all good. And so, I don't know how how I'm getting how this. Yeah, that,
1: that makes are, it makes sense. It's it, it, total sense. It's yeah. kind of like um, I'm just tired. There's a couple just, of other phrases. We're gonna, you know? we're gonna get used to food. Yeah. The, <laughs> the grass is always greener. right? Yeah. Yeah, When he's out of the relationship, he's longing yes. for the relationship. Yes. When he was in it, he ate.
2: Yes, it. exactly. And I'm like, remember how that guy told you you had a loose ass? You don't want to go back to that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's one example. I, I think,
0: <laughs> fair enough. Um, I think, right, so like when, you, when you're thinking of a past lover or whatever that's coming back,
1: they're yeah. there
0: and they're on good behavior and all the good stuff is there. You forget about how they boiled the rabbit, you know? right? And so,
1: you're, and you're
0: also—that's what you need friends for it, to like remind you. To, you remember, yeah. like when they, they had yeah. a knife and they were trying to chop you up in yeah. the middle of the night. Yeah, we need you to remember that because you're getting yeah. back together with this yeah. guy who was like a
2: jackass. Exactly. And I, 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 yeah, somehow got off track with the uh, affect, but.
0: Well, so yeah, if you don't have others in your life that you're in dialogue with, you're going to
2: get into the echo chamber of your own head. So it how do your own shame? How do you relate? How do you relate this to like workplace scenarios? Like if you're if you have a if you have a
0: boss or if you have a, if you're in a, a work structure that doesn't allow you to successfully take ownership of what you're doing and undermines what you're doing. Yeah,
2: yeah, like kind on of a one-on-one. Well, I one. and,
0: and undermines undermines your self-esteem around it. That is shame-based. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and I think workplaces in particular are more difficult places to communicate effectively maybe those types of things because you're dealing with coworkers and your job's at stake and you're expected to behave a certain way you know professionally so uh, possibly bringing up issues and uh, problems you may have with somebody else it's more difficult than in daily life
2: it is it is it is and I know a lot of companies are trying to get away from that and have open environments they have to say right. we want you to bring your whole self to work which is bullshit because you can't bring your whole self to work otherwise it gets you in trouble I brought my whole self to work and look what happened to me
1: well and it, it can't and no work. they're not they're not
2: being honest with that
1: it, and it, it can't really work because you can't be having like that level of conflict at work
2: yeah exactly exactly and like I, I remember I had a one-on-one, and it, it was just so shame-based. All I was told was what I'm not doing, what I can't do, no confidence, mm. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And once I started a job, and on the very first day, I'm in the office, and I'm with my other coworker who had been with the company for a while. And my boss says, well, Greg, I expect David to probably be much further ahead of you and, and do much better than you because he's been with the company for a while. And that made me feel bad, like I've already been set up for failure.
1: Yeah, Right that sort of just feeds back into yeah. what you already think about yourself. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That did not help me to and I didn't succeed at that job. Well, anything that doesn't
0: give you pleasure competency, which is one of those terms that I just love that comes from affect theory, which is that, you know, that even sometimes just tiny pleasure of like, oh, I figured this out. Like figuring out how to use audacity or mm-hmm. how, uh, the new mic tonight or whatever. Or Learning to make calzone, or it doesn't matter. Putting together an IKEA um, bookcase. We all need competency pleasure throughout the day. I fix the copying machine, the paper jam. Yeah, you know those those things. We go like, got it, nailed it, done. Back. You need those positive little. Those little dopamine th- hits throughout yeah. the day, coming from things that you did actively, mm-hmm. not from looking at your phone and seeing somebody else do it. Which is a big difference. Your phone doesn't give you competency pleasure. Right. It gives you it gives you ideas of what
1: competency pleasure could look like, and it gives you a hit of dopamine. Gives you the hit of dopamine, but not the satisfaction of but doing not the satisfaction. So,
0: it's kind of fake dopamine. Yeah, you know, it's it's the cheeseburger version of a of a carnivore filet mignon, or you know. Whatever good stuff. Right. It's it's not as good.
1: It's basically a substance. It's a facsimile of the real thing. It's a facsimile of the real thing. The idea
0: of competing in unhealthy ways that are not about building up people's pride and competency and focusing on their faults are all shame-based. And that's what
2: they did to me. That's what a couple of bosses have done, but it makes me think something's wrong with me, so clearly it's my fault and not theirs. Maybe that's all part of the shame, too, Mm. I guess. Because
1: you're predisposed to thinking that, going in. Yeah. Thinking it must be me. Wait, so thing. if you yeah. have a background in which you've
0: already you're already convinced that you're undeserving in a certain way, or that you are at fault, or that you have faults, or you're not good enough in whatever ways, and you need a bunch of
2: good stuff, and I'm terrified about the next company I go into because what if it's a shame-based culture too? Then the same thing happens.
0: Well, that's what I'm writing about right now: is, is the issues of competency, pleasure, shame versus pride, managerial styles. I have I have yet to encounter one person that's told me I really prefer a shame-based environment,
2: (laughs) right? Like like I really like being abused at work. I also wrote an article on leadership on LinkedIn, but I'm afraid to publish it because it might sound bitter. In my current state of mind.
0: Well, why don't you have (laughs) us read it so that we could? Okay, that's what we need each other for. That that's another big part of. What I'm talking about, meaningful happiness. What, what does that what does that mean? I got a lot, I got. By the way, when I first came up with meaningful happiness, almost every psychologist friend of mine, colleague, said that's so corny. Or like they were <laughs> they were trashing it, and they said like, what does it mean? I said it means exactly. I believe that what you're doing with your patients is trying to reach help them get to a place of meaningful happiness.
1: Mm.
0: However, you define that. Your definition of meaningful happiness and mine may not be the same thing, but I can tell you, I think it's more than just being on a bell curve. I think some things are like being a human. We like positive feelings. Positive feelings like interest, excitement, enjoyment, joy, the two positive affects and affect theory pretty much cover everything. They do cover everything that we value. Anything you're interested in, anything you enjoy. Mm-hmm. okay, That covers everything. It is inherently pleasurable. All the negative affects are inherently punishing. Distress is inherently punishing. Shame is inherently punishing as an experience. It's mortifying when you find out that you've lost a job, that somebody's broken up with you, that you didn't get into this college or that, or it doesn't, anything where you, again, anything, if you wanted a connection with it, Missing the train
1: causes like they're all things. I'm that you so stupid to, and missed the train again. They're all things that you want to avoid. The things you want to avoid because you like want desperately. You want to catch the train. You want to have that girlfriend, boyfriend, that relationship. When well, if you miss the train? Then you'll be late to work, and then you feel shame all the consequences. There, right, all the consequences. Then you're going to get oh. admonished for being late, and exactly it sets off a yeah. whole so you have to think of, of shame. shame.
0: So it's such a unique definition that Tompkins has that I think is so powerful. Anything that you want that's positive, if there's a barrier, causes shame.